Welcome to Interviewing Authors with your host, Tim Knox. Hi, everyone. Welcome into another edition of Interviewing Authors and a very special Author Spotlight edition with my guest today, Patty Lesser. Now, Patty is quite the world traveler. She was born in Nova Scotia, grew up in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, then moved to Israel for five years, where she completed her bachelor's degree in English Lit at Tel Aviv University. She traveled more after that, went to the Dominican Republic, England, Holland, Belgium. Eventually, she settled back in Hamilton, where she lives and writes today. As many authors do, Patty puts her world-traveling experience to work in her books, which have included the nonfiction Shall We Chat and multiple works of fiction, including Locker Rooms and That Truthful Place. One of the things I found most interesting about Patty is she writes in multiple genres. For example, her book, A Discerning Heart, is part romance, part fantasy, part cautionary tale. Her book, That Truthful Place, is about aliens from a distant planet visiting North America. And her book, Locker Rooms, is a story of love and hate, friends and enemies, religion and history, and the eternal battle between good and evil. So this is a great interview. I think you're going to enjoy what Patty has to say. So let's get to it. Here's my interview with Patty Lesser, world traveler and quite the talented author on today's Interviewing Authors. Patty, welcome to the program. Thank you, Tim. I'm happy to be here. I'm happy having you here. You know, I'm way down in Alabama and you're way up in Canada and We've been uh, fighting our schedules and the weather and everything, and now it's finally coming together. And here we are. You're telling me that the leaves are changing up there and about to go into the uh, the cold time of year where you're just going to hibernate and write. Is that correct? That's correct. I'm not much of a winter person anymore after living in Australia and Israel for a number of years and enjoying the heat. Wow. Well, we're going to talk about that because you really have been a a world traveler. But before we get started, if you will, give the audience a little background on you. Well, I grew up in Ontario, Hamilton to be exact. And as a dream of mine was to live and work a year in every country. And since I had a difficult childhood, escaping and trying something new was my challenge. And at the age of 20, I left Canada and went to live in Israel for six years. Now, how did you end up in Israel? Well, I'm Jewish or grew up Jewish, and it was just some place to go. Uh, They offer a special program for visitors to learn the language and live on a kibbutz. And I thought that would be a great way to introduce myself to the country. But I just fell in love and finished my university degree at the Tel Aviv University. And then I worked for a few years before I came home. Interesting. So how long did you stay and where did you go next? Um, I stayed for six years. I started off in a kibbutz. Then I lived in Haifa for a year. Then I moved to Tel Aviv and as I said, completed my degree, and I worked for a few years, and then I returned to Canada, and then went to Toronto, then after that went to Europe, came back to Toronto, made some money, and went to Australia for a year. Now, what led you to Australia? I I, I just met somebody who lived there, and she said, come and visit, so I did. <laughs> you just packed up and went. Exactly, and the way I travel is a bit bizarre. I buy a one-way ticket because I don't know how long I'm going to stay and I don't want to restrict myself. So I go for as long as I want. And when the money runs out or when I can't find another job, I leave and come home 
make some money and take off again. What were you doing for, for money? What was your career early on before you started writing? Uh, well, I've done every job in the book. Uh, there's not much I haven't done. Um, as a kid, you know, I was, we babysat and shoveled snow and raked leaves. And I, my first job was a short order cook in a restaurant. And I was 15 at the time. And why in God's name did they consider a 15-year-old good enough to be the head chef? So that was an interesting situation. But as I traveled, I just applied for any job possible just to make them enough money to keep on traveling. That's so interesting. Well, one thing, we, we are going to talk about your books, uh, especially uh, the, the latest book, Discerning Heart. But with all of these adventures that you've had, how have they uh, affected your writing? I guess let's start at the beginning. Were, were you always a writer, even when you were young? Yes, I started out writing poems. And uh, when I was in high school, the writer in residence at U of T, University of Toronto, was Irving Layton. And you could obtain audience with him and ask him about your work. So here I was standing in line with a number of other students. I was next to go. There was a guy in the room. And all we could hear was Irvin Layton say, I wouldn't blow my nose in this. <laughs> and all of us stood there shocked. Oh, wow. I walked in. I showed him my poetry. And he said, what are your plans? And I said, to travel. And he said, yes, travel, go away, learn, experience, then come home and write. Mm. And that's exactly what I did. How interesting. Now, how old was the kid that he told to uh, that he wouldn't blow his nose on his work? Oh, he was probably 19, 20. <laughs> and do, you, do you think he ended up washing dishes somewhere? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> So you started out with, with poetry. Now, your, your books, one thing that, that we are going to talk about is they're all, uh, they're all different, and yet they're yes. all uh, somewhat similar. So you started off writing poetry. What was your, uh, the, the process from there when you, when you started writing fiction? Well, actually, I went to writing short stories for many years. It wasn't until about 20 years ago um, I had a dream. I woke up, started writing. I wrote 12 hours a day for four weeks, four months until the book was finished. And that was my first experience writing a book. I had it edited. And of course, when I found out it wasn't perfect and going to be a bestseller, I became discouraged and put it in a drawer. I did other things. I did other jobs. And then I came back to it, read it over, improved it. And then I thought, I'm ready to publish. And like most people, I contacted agents and publishers and got nowhere. And then I was talking to a publisher who said, uh, I had a book about uh, a relationship of chatting online. And he, she said, why don't you write that? So I wrote a nonfiction about chatting online and published that. Then I thought, well, why not go back to Locker Rooms, which was the dream book I just finished writing. And I worked on that and had it published. But uh, there were problems with the book. I should have had it edited again. And I was very discouraged. So I took the book back off the shelf, reworked it, 
And then I published again. But in the meantime, I started writing other books. I was getting ideas everywhere. And so I sat down and started writing. And uh, now I've got, we'll have six books published by the spring. Yeah. Let's go back to that first book because it was called Locker Rooms. What was it about? It's it's hard for me to say what's about without scaring people off because it's basically about a woman who suffers from bipolar, who wins a lottery, buys a house, finds a cavern beneath the house, and in the cavern are locker rooms filled with souls of people who are being imprisoned by a demon. So she saves the souls, takes them back to different places in Canada, thereby learning some Canadian history. Some of the characters she saves have mental illnesses and how that reflects upon their life and how it changes the main character. And she goes through the novel growing as she's learning from these souls that she's saving. She battles demons, she battles the devil, and I won't, don't want to tell you the end. <laughs> <laughs> so so this is the book that came out of a dream. Was was the plot of the book basically your dream? Yeah, I just... Wow. It's a scary dream, Patty. I have bizarre dreams. <laughs> I have very bizarre dreams. And I'll be honest, a lot of times I come downstairs in the morning and I think of another topic for a book from a dream I've had. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of writers do that. I have a lot of writers mention that the the idea for book and uh, comes from dreams, and they kind of go through the same process that you did. You know, they'll quickly write the book, but then they'll set it aside and revisit it several times. And talk a little bit about that process, because as an author myself, I know how uh, frustrating it can be when when people don't latch on to an idea as, as much as we do. Uh, you you actually brought that book out several times. Um, as a writer, what effect did, did that have on you, and how did you go about approaching the story to to perhaps make it more marketable? Well, what I've done, it took me, I wrote, uh, I started writing a mystery as well, which is my sixth book to be finished. It's finished, but uh, properly edited. And um, through one editor I had from Texas, he recommended a woman in Virginia to act as a developmental editor writing coach. And when I met her, I was a little skeptical about what she could do for me. But then I had her uh, edit part of my book. When I saw the comments and the suggestions she made, and when I corrected them, I realized how much better my books were. So from that point on, I took all of my books and went through them with her. And I would not uh, publish a book without Andy seeing it first because she seems to know exactly how I can better the book. And I think the outcome of the two books we've worked on, Truthful Place and Discerning Heart, uh, both those books, I think, have improved immensely. Mm-hmm. Now, the, the, that Truthful Place is, is somewhat of a different uh, story. Tell us about that book. Well, I'm a big Star Trek fan. And one of my biggest loves was Deanna Troy's telepathy. So I always wanted to write a book about people who de- um, develop telepathy. And then I thought, well, why wouldn't children do it when they turn 13 
which is a major time in most children's lives. And then I thought, I've lived all over the world. I've known different cultures. I'd like to create a book where people from other countries, or they other cultures, they all live in the United States and Canada, but they come from other cultures and try and achieve utopia. Interesting. Now, it's a, it's a little different from the first book because the first book was more scary, I guess, horror type. And is, would this be considered uh, sci-fi? Yes. I, uh, I guess it's a children's sci-fi, yes, because they develop telepathy. And then in the sequel, it's the only book I'm writing a sequel with, but in the sequel, they're transported to another planet and aliens help them achieve a perfect society. Mm. Did you enjoy writing this book more than the first? I don't actually remember writing it, to be perfectly honest. Yeah, it's funny. Um, I've been working so hard. I've been working on two, three books at a time lately. And so for me, it's I don't even remember what I'm writing. I just write it and then I look back and think, oh, that's not bad. Where did I get that idea? But um, I do uh, literally forget that I have what I have written after I've, I'm so focused on the next book that I, I, when I work through a book, it's pretty incredible when I think I don't remember writing any of this. Yeah. So, so you literally will go back and read it and go, Hey, this is great. I don't remember writing it. Totally. And as I said, I go through each book with Andy, sending her a trap at a time. She edits, returns it, and then I improve, send the next chapter, and we go through the whole book this way. And then I send the book to another editor who proofreads it. And then after that, I send it to three friends to check for any errors that we might have missed. So it's a long process now. I... Uh, really learned the, my lesson that I can't write a book and publish it right away. It needs to go through at least two editors. Do you, do you find it interesting that a lot of authors resist the editing process altogether? Um, I, you know, I just shake my head because you can't, a book cannot survive without being with at least two or three editors because it's just so many things you can do wrong but can be corrected easily. And it may not be the problem with your story or the characterization of your main characters or the plot, but just basic, simple sentences that can change the whole outlook of the book. And only a fresh pair of eyes, professional eyes, can see that. You know, I don't send my books to my friends to edit. I just send them to them to look for the typos or little mistakes that may have been missed. Right. When, when, you're, when you're writing a book like this, do you, uh, do you do it on a schedule? Are you a very rigid author or do you do it when the muse hits? Well, I try to keep it like a, a job. I start working at 9 or 10 in the morning and I finish at 4 or 5. I try and work hard all day and put everything together but then when I get to a point that I can't do anymore then I just stop and go on and I don't work nights so uh, I try and keep it pretty rigid only because I enjoy writing so much I love being immersed in my books I love creating a new paragraph that you know works well with the novel and pleases me to no end so I try and work quite hard 
I don't have I don't have a full time. This is my full time job. Okay, let's talk a little bit about characters because that's one thing that I find that uh, you know the the more successful authors are the ones that that of course create characters that the audience uh, can connect with and, and wants to read. Uh, how do you go about developing characters? Do they come uh, as a as an offshoot of the story idea, or do you think of characters first then the story? Uh, I think of both at the same time. I think of what topic I want to write about and what I want to write. And then I consider what kind of characters would most suit that that place in my book. Um, it comes very naturally with me that I can think of, because all my characters are, as I call my children, they're totally fictitious. They represent no one. They're exactly who I'd want to be if I were in that position in the book. So they all are really me, but because I have met so many people in my life, I can give them characteristics that I know will make them shine in the story. Let's talk a little bit about how you have uh, taken your your past travels and your experiences and that sort of thing and and brought them into the the writing. Have you been influenced at all about uh, where you've lived and some of the things you've done? I think I've only influenced me as given me maturity and experience. Because uh, as I said, my characters are fictitious and I can't write real people. Real people never cease to astound me and I truly don't understand them. So that's why I prefer a character who does what I would like them to do or be, I mean, for example, for a discerning heart, um, the main character has flaws. Now he has no flaws that I have, but if I were him, these are the flaws I would have. And also that, uh, I've always loved Thomas Hardy. He was my favorite author growing up. And I always wanted to write a book similar to his. So Discerning Heart has a character who has major flaws that has to deal with within the novel. And don't you think it's the flaws, though, that sometimes make the character so powerful? Well, that's what I thought with him, because uh, you can't identify with his anger or his problems, but you can learn from them and understand that's not the way I'd want to be. Right. Well, let's talk about uh, A Discerning Heart. Is it out now? Yes. Okay. It's available on Amazon. All right. Tell us about that book. Well, it's really quite funny. I was chatting online with a friend, and he said I should marry a rich fisherman. And I said, oh, a rich fisherman never be interested in me, but a poor one would. And his name, the friend's name was Jim. And I said... I'd call him Dim Jim, and that's how that book got started. And for some reason, I was able to work through the Pope plot in my mind, and it just flowed into a wonderful story about a man who has been disheartened and you know embarrassed by his community, treated poorly, who has to somehow become the most popular man in town, and he was decided that he would go and catch this elusive fish to bring fame and fortune. But he ends up almost drowning, being saved by a mermaid, and taken to a deserted island 
where he lives for a few years, coming to terms with the fact that he will never be anyone. But then he locates a pirate's journal, and as he reads the journal, he uh, assumes his identity. He His character improves, his confidence improves, and then one day he finds an abandoned ship, abandoned boat. He escapes the island and takes treasure that has been accumulated by the mermaid, returns to his village as the pirate captain, and becomes rich and famous. Wow, so that, this, um, this is really, it's, it's, it's kind of a fantasy. There's some romance there. Yeah. Um, you know, a bit of a, a, a cautionary tale. The, the lead character there, did you name him Dim Jim? Yes, I did. <laughs> and how did your friend take that? Well, he loves it. I dedicated the book to him because he was my inspiration for it, even though it was just a little bit of an inspiration. But uh, no, he exists and uh, he loves the book. Do you enjoy writing in the fantasy genre? Because it really does kind of give you a license to kill, doesn't it? Exactly. I think I'm more fantasy writer. I mean, all my books have elements of fantasy in them because I don't want to deal with reality. I don't want another book about a couple who marries and divorces and fights, child, child dies, or, you know, some tragedy that happens in real life. I want people to escape. I want people to be able to read my books and say, that's taking me to a different realm. It's taking me out of my daily grind and giving me something to hope for. Right. And is there always a happy ending in a Patty Lesser story? Yes. Yes. Good deal. Well, let's talk a little bit about the publishing process because, you know, the, uh, the audience for this show, by and large, are, are authors who are looking to do what you are doing, to write, to publish. Um, you mentioned early on that you had tried to get an agent and work with publishers. Are you, doing, uh, are you self-publishing everything now? Yes, I am. I tried for a couple years that avenue. But I got tired of writing agents and writing publishers and then never hearing back or hearing back six months later that they're not interested. When you self-publish, you can publish immediately. A traditional publisher will probably uh, take a year to get your book out there, whereas I can do it in months. And at least I'm out there. I don't have the assistance of a large a publishing firm, but I found that marketing is even has to be done by everyone, whether you're self-published or traditionally published. I I publish original. Originally, I published locker rooms through an American company called iUniverse. After spending a lot of money and going through a lot of hell, I I realized it just wasn't for me. And then my editor advised that I could cancel with them. And I didn't realize this. So I canceled with them right away, took my book back, and had it edited again. Are you, uh, are you doing everything, I guess, on Kindle? Are you doing CreateSpace for your yes. paperbacks? Yes. I love CreateSpace. It's very, I mean, it's simple procedures. It's straightforward. It's direct. It's simple to use, and you can publish a book quite well. I think my books look great, 
and people comment that they like the cover, they like the style. It, you have to spend a lot of time practicing and getting used to things uh, with it, but it's quite simple and it's free. You know, one thing you, you hit on there, it's something that I hear from a lot of authors, uh, is when you are a self-published author, you, you are doing everything yourself. Yes. Because basically you are, uh, you're in business. You are the entrepreneur. Your books are your products. And it's up to you to not only create the product, but to do the quality assurance with the editing, to do the publishing, the marketing. Um, how much of that is taking up your time? Because one of the, the complaints that I hear from self-published writers is I, I don't have as much time to write because I have to do all this other stuff. Well, that's just it. I when after I published Locker Rooms, I did some marketing, and I found tweeting doesn't work. Um, I have, my Facebook is poor, and I must admit I don't keep it up, and I'm having trouble with it, and I'm looking for someone to help me with it. But I wanted to get books out. I haven't been doing uh, talking to you. Was is, this is my first marketing? Um, ploy since I've published. I've generally been spending the last year just getting books finished, getting them published, and getting them out. And once I finish with my sixth book, which is what I call my art book, um, it's a mystery about uh, an historic Canadian family who are embroiled in the art world, await the delivery of a mysterious package from their ancestor in England. And it deals with art and its many facets. And when I finish this book, then I'm going to start actively looking for marketing. But to be perfectly honest, my f funds are low and most marketing costs money. Mm -hmm. well, you, you, you had mentioned your, your website. Your thoughts on social media as a means of marketing for authors, because I see an awful lot of authors out there on Facebook and Twitter and uh, LinkedIn. And even, even with my books, that's primarily how I market. How are, how have those things worked for you? They haven't. Okay. They is, haven't. It, is it because you haven't pursued them as much or they just haven't been responsive? Both. I think mm -hmm. um, Facebook is not something I enjoy and I have trouble with it and I'm not really sure how to work it to my advantage. That's, as I said, that's why I'm sort of actively seeking someone to help me with it. Uh, I'm not really sure what else is available to me. I do a lot of signings in the cities between Hamilton and Toronto. I've done maybe 15 sit signings so far in the last two years. So that has been my strongest marketing uh, experience. What I'm going to do next, I don't know. I'm hoping this interview with you will lead to new avenues that will encourage me to get myself out there and get myself known and my books recognized. Do you enjoy the book signings? No. <laughs> <laughs> Patty, Patty, the one thing I love about you is your honesty. <laughs> well, I'll be honest. I'm not a salesperson. But to be an author, you have to be a salesperson. And to sit there for three, four hours propelling yourself onto other people who are really not interested and have just come in to get a candle. And I've had so many people tell me, I'm not here to get, buy any books. I mean, you're in a bookstore. 
So, uh, but I enjoy meeting people. I enjoy talking to people about my work and I love it when people buy it. So uh, there have been some very nice people who say to me, I just like to support local authors, so I'll buy your book. And it's people like that I love. But some people are are really interested in, you know, uh, the that Truthful Place has been quite popular with kids uh, at the book signings. So I've sold quite a few of those. Good. Yeah, I can remember being at a book signing once and a guy coming up to the table and I said, you want me to sign your book? And he's, he said, no. Do you know where the bathroom is? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that was, that was probably the last book signing I did. So what is on the horizon? What are you working on now? Well, uh, right now, uh, my fifth book, That Perfect Hand, about five poker buddies who uncover a conspiracy, uh, is with the proofreading editor right now. I get it back November 13th, and from there I correct all the problems he's found. When that's been completed, it goes, as I said, to my three friends for proofreading. And then I'll be publishing it on Amazon, hopefully December, January sometime. I, I thought it was interesting that you wrote this book because you are a uh, an online poker player, aren't you? Yes, I am. I play in poker tournaments almost every day for money. I spend maybe eight dollars on a tournament so it doesn't break the bank but i've been quite lucky recently and have over four hundred dollars in my poker account to play with (laughs) but i always wanted to write a book about poker but i'm not a professional you know world poker player so i wanted so the book has references to poker throughout the novel and they play poker periodically and what they learn from playing poker has changed their lives. So, Patty, um, before we close off here, I always like to ask, you know, what advice do you have for other authors? You know, again, the uh, a lot of the people that listen to this show are either just starting out or they've been doing it a while, but they're all wanting to, to get a book successfully published, either traditionally or self-published. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, and advice for these folks? Just right. Forget about the marketing. Forget about everything. Write. Get as many books as you can out there. Find two good, at least two good editors that you trust that will help you improve your novel. But the best thing is to do is write. Just put your butt in the chair and your fingers on the keyboard. Exactly. And, you know, it doesn't matter what you write. Just write it. You know, you don't know if it's good. Your mother doesn't know if it's good. It's going to say it's good and your friends are going to say it's good. But you need a professional to tell you that. Patty Lesser, the author of That Truthful Place, Locker Rooms, uh, The Discerning Heart, and the upcoming book, That Perfect Hand. Uh, How can folks find out more about you and about your books? I have a website, pattylesser.com, P-A-T-T-Y-L-E-S-S-E-R.com. And you can go to Amazon and just type in Patty Lesser. Feel free to Google me, and uh, I'm easily found. All right, Patty. Hey, we appreciate your time. Good luck on all the books, and and keep us posted, especially if you start winning big at poker. <laughs> thank you, and thank you very much, Tim, for all of this. I really appreciate That's it. It's my pleasure. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, you take care.